yeah, we, we're not going to get through the whole chapter, but we're going to go ahead and just read it first, the whole chapter. Dustin, come up, stand up here and, and read this, the, the whole chapter. <laughs> and then we'll, um, we'll get into the teaching. I'm tired, I need a break. The whole chapter of three? Yeah. Okay. Now Peter and John went, went up together to the temple of the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. And a certain man, lame from his mother's womb, was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask alms from those who entered the temple. Who, seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, asked for alms, and fixed his eyes on him. With John, Peter said, Look at us. So he gave them his attention, expecting to receive something from them. Then Peter said, Silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up. And immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. So he leaped up, stood and walked and entered the temple with them, walking, leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God. Then they knew that it was he who sat begging alms at the beautiful gate of the temple. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. Now, as a lame man who was healed held on to Peter and John, all the people ran together to them in the porch, which is called Solomon's Greatly Amazed. So when Peter saw it, he responded to the people, Men of Israel, why do you marvel at this? Or why look so intently at us, as though by our own power or godliness we had made this man walk? The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, glorified his servant Jesus, whom you delivered up and denied in the presence of Pilate, and he was determined to let him go. But you denied the Holy One and the just and asked for a murderer to be granted to you and killed the Prince of Life, whom raised from the, whom God raised from the dead, of which we are witnesses. And his name, through faith in his, in his name, is made this man strong, whom you see and know. Yes, the faith which comes through him has given him this perfect soundness in the presence of you all. Yet now, brethren, I know that you did, did it in ignorance, as did also your rulers. But those things which God foretold by the mouth of all his prophets that the Christ would suffer, he has thus fulfilled. Repent, therefore, and be converted, that your sins may be blotted out, so that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord, and that he may send Jesus Christ, who was preached to you before whom heaven must receive until the times of restoration of all things, which God has spoken to, spoken by the mouth of his holy prophets since the world began. For Moses truly said to the fathers, The Lord your God will raise up, raise up, from, uh, sorry, raise up for you a prophet like me from your brethren. Him you shall hear in all things, whatever he says to you. And it shall be that every soul who will not hear the, that prophet shall be utterly destroyed from among the people. Yes, and all the prophets from Samuel and those who follow, as many as have spoken, have also uh, foretold these days. <clears throat> you are sons of the prophets and of the covenant which God made with our fathers, saying to Abraham, And in your seed all families of the earth shall be blessed. To you first, God, having raised up his servant Jesus, sent him to bless you and turning away every one of you from your iniquities. You know, you guys are just thinking about that as, as we read that. 
you know, I just, I want it, I want it to be not just stories that we, we just know, oh yeah, I know that story in the Bible. You know, that's what we're talking about this week and just like, man, as we go through this and we read these things, like we want it to speak to us. It's a living word of God that's alive. So it's not just a story that we know about. Oh yeah, I know that story. It, that it would speak to us, you know, and, and just that, you know, this is, we have Peter healing the lame man here, and then he goes into his second sermon. Last week we went on his first sermon, but like what Dustin just read, especially there at the end where he just, I mean, he's just courageously speaking to the people, and he's, and he's just um, exhorting them and encouraging them and warning them and all these things. And I mean, that's what we do as a church body. That's you know, that's what we do as 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 fellow Christians, right? Let's pray, you guys. God, we just come before you in prayer today, Lord. And um, I'm just so thankful. My heart is just happy to just be about you, God. And just so thankful for faithful children of yours, Lord, that would come here, that would... Why else would they be here, Lord? I mean, they, clearly there's something they want from you, Lord. So I just ask you would continue that and you would grow that desire for you, God. And would you just align us, Lord, of of just the things of the world and what the world says versus what you say and just and give us comfort in that that we we know we can stand on just you and what you say and what you're sufficient enough and and that um man, you're the only thing that is going to fill us up, God. We love you, Jesus, and we just pray that you would speak to us today. Amen. Well, last week in chapter two, um, we went through this, the um, Peter's sermon, and where he talked about repenting, and we and we went over the what repenting is, and it's just sometimes it's different than what we think, and it's this actual it's it's turning away from what you are living or doing. It's because you can't be living for the world or things that God is against and living for God. So. It's it's turning away turning away from those things and turning to to Christ, right? And then we we went on and we saw Peter um, talked about what our lives should look like as Christians and what our church should look like, our body, the people, all of us. What what it, what it should look like? And and he started off for a reason in um, the consistent um, study of the apostles' doctrine, the living word of God. And then he goes on to say fellowship. And then he goes on breaking of bread and prayer. These four things that we we just we know as Christians we can check ourselves. We can check our pulse in, in these areas. Right? And so I'm gonna read to you a little piece. It's just like a my Bible's not necessarily a commentary Bible, but it's it's just got some little nuggets in it. Um just to help understand some of the stuff. And it's on what we learned last night of, of the benefits of, the, of our participation in the local church. So the benefits of participation in the local church are immediately apparent. This passage records the first meeting of the first local church. From, the passage, from this passage, seven benefits of participation in the local church are immediately apparent. Instruction. Continuing steadfast in the apostles' doctrine, fellowship, and f- fellowship, observance 
of the ordinances, breaking of bread. Corporate prayer, prayers. Effective outreach, fear came upon every soul. Common cause had all things in common. And mutual assistance divided them among all as anyone had need. In addition to these, four other benefits of participation in the local church are clear. Worship, we'll see later on in Acts 20. Discipline, we see that in Matthew 18. Second Corinthians, um, the discipline part as well. And then um, pastoral oversight in First Peter. And obedience to God's command, and we see that in Hebrews 10. Participation in the local church is not optional for the child of God. That's important right there. It's important because Peter's saying it in this. He's just all of a sudden filled with the Holy Spirit and he gives his first sermon. And this is what he's talking about. Okay. And it is imperative and yields eternal benefits. We constantly hear about yielding fruit when we live for God and the fruits of God come out of us. So let's get into it. In verse 1. Now Peter and John went up together to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. All right. So the Jewish tradition is they would pray three times a day. And then they were on it. I mean, that's what they all did. And um, their days would start at 6 o'clock in the morning. I mean, it was just like clockwork. And then by 9 o'clock, they'd go to the temple and be their first prayer. And then they could do whatever, and they come back at noon, and then they would leave, and they come back again at three o'clock. Okay, three o'clock's the ninth hour, and so they they observe three gatherings a day, every day, and they believe the Jewish people, the Jewish culture, believe that this came from the Old Testament, and they would say that um, the they got the prayer in the morning at um, at nine o'clock from Abraham's teaching and then they would say that the prayer at noon was from Isaac's teaching and then the the prayer at three o'clock the ninth hour um, is they get that from Jacob's teaching now not completely sure if that's biblical I'm not going to say that they're wrong or right in that but that's that's the way they that's the way they did it and so the the disciples went up there and it was interesting because it's even thought that the disciples did that we don't know this for sure either, so hold this loosely. But the disciples went to this ninth hour, which was which was after they would do the sacrificing part of it. And this, I mean, I can get on board with this because if you think about it, now at this point, they don't believe in sacrifice anymore, right? They believe Jesus was the final sacrifice. So they so they weren't doing that. And, and they go up here for the, the last prayer of the day. And so they're around these, we see in chapter 2 and then here again in chapter 3 where you know they're they're around all of these religious people and that's that's the hardest group can be the hardest group to talk to it religious people that already know what they know right you know i think sometimes it can be easier to sometimes it can be easier to talk to a non-believer you know cuz they don't they're not really they're just kind of floating they don't really have something that they're landing hard and fast on and um but today, like, we live in a religious world. We really do. Now, I'm not saying a Christian world, but a religious world. 
you know, and, and I say that because um, it just seems like everybody's spiritual. And, and some of this is my opinion, but it, I just venture to say, in my opinion, that most people claim to believe in a higher power of some sort of something. And that's not everybody, but um, but mostly. And so... But when the, when they... A lot of times you'll see when people think that way and believe that way, you know, they don't exactly know why they believe what they believe, which is interesting, isn't it? Um, but you could ask them, you know, so why do you, why do you, how do you believe that? Why do you believe it? And, you know, sometimes they would just say, well, I don't know, you know, or I was taught that or whatever. But as Christians, we believe what we believe because we have, we have the word of God. We have a foundation that can historically be backed up. We kind of went through this, you know, going through the end of the book of Mark. But someone asked us, well, why do you believe what you believe? And, and if we're, you know, if we're kind of doing our best to be following these things that Peter laid out what our, our Christian walk in the church should look like, we can say, well, well, I believe this because of Jesus Christ, you know, was proven that he was truly alive and he was truly killed and he truly raised from the grave and on and on and on. Um, so as Christians, that that's how we can, we have a foundation to stand on. And, you know, I kind of think a lot of times people believe whatever they want just because, and I say this, I mean, lovingly, but it's pretty rough of just like, it's just that laziness. And I can, I can understand why, right? It's just easier to just, Believe what you want to believe because then you don't have to like put in any of this work or if you want to call it that of, of knowing God or knowing the scripture or, you know, coming to be in burden on a Sunday to fellowship and, and uh, be held accountable and all that kind of stuff. But um, but these guys we see that that Peter is talking to Peter and John in the disciples as we go on. But we see that like they're they're diligently religious. Right. We just got in talking about what they do three times a day, every day. Like clockwork, right? But the funny thing about religious people, and we see this as we go through the scriptures, is um, they don't listen very well. They've already got it figured out. They know what they know because someone's taught them this. You know, they, that's what they're that's what they're they're just resting on is what they were taught, and. It's kind of like having this relationship, really, this personal relationship with the teacher, this human, or whoever, the human, and versus Jesus. You know what I mean? And so, you know, you would hear him say, well, I've been doing this for 30 years. You know, that's, that's, why, that's why I'm doing it. You know, we can relate with that in ranching and farming, right? Like, we, well, we do it because dad taught us, and dad taught us, and dad taught us, and a lot of times there's, I mean, there's always, it seems like somewhere, there's a lot of wisdom in that because of experience. No question. But just because we've done it for 30 years, like, here's a question. Could we have been doing it wrong for 30 years? Yeah, right? We could have. But, you know, as Christians, we're also taught by people. We just we just read through that, that I just read there, and it just talked about... Um, what did it say? Pastoral oversight and stuff like that, right? Like as we go through the book of Acts we'll, and through the Bible, we'll see that where where there's, there's um, what do you call it? There's like 
order, I guess. And so, so we as well, we are taught by a human. But the difference is, is that if we're being taught, and you know, as Christians, you know, our teachers should be saying, look this up for yourself. As a teacher, you say, look this up for yourself. Pointing someone, you know, guiding them in the right direction, but trusting that God's going to, you know, like if they're earnestly going to, you know, want to know God, well, the Bible tells us that we have to trust that because God says he promises that they'll meet them there, you know. Now, we also have fellowship to like, oh, you're kind of getting way out here. Let's get back over here. Or you're getting out here. Let's get back over here. And that, that's good, right? That, that helps us. That helps us keep going. But um, the difference is all I'm saying is that. Um, Yes, we have teachers, but our teachers today, Rory said it today in town, like, look this up for yourself, you guys, as he was going through it. And so that, that's a good thing, because then I would be concerned if you had a teacher saying, no, don't look it up. Just trust what I'm telling you and just keep doing what I'm telling you to do. Like, I mean, that should be a red flag, right? But like for an example of this, I, I was shocked. Have you guys heard of Ben Shapiro? Super genius, Right. This guy's amazing at um, at um, debating, and um, because he like he he knows facts and he follows the facts, and that's why he's so good at debating because facts, 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 and you just can't at some point you can't argue with facts. Like, and he's really good at calling out like, "Well, that's just your opinion. That's not a fact. I'm showing you facts." Well, one time I was watching him because he's a Jewish guy, and I was watching him talk to uh, I. The only two is I think it might have been John MacArthur, but um, anyways, so they sat down to have this debate and it was very loving. And you know, um, I think it was John MacArthur, but anyways, whoever it was was like a respected guy in truth. Um, and so they were being loving to each other, and it wasn't this like heated debate. It was a very loving one, and but it was interesting because they you know they go back and forth, and I mean it was really good stuff. Like you don't. No arguments. Oh, yeah, I see your point. Oh, yeah, I see your point. And well, what about this? What about this? Pretty soon, though, it, it got to this this part of where John MacArthur asked him, like, you know, why I can't, I'm, I'm screwing this up. But he said something along the lines of, like, you know, well, yeah, but how do you know that? Like, I'm, I'm showing you from, from the word, but how, like, how do you know that that's what that means or whatever it was? And so Ben Shapiro, this genius that dominates and dismantles arguments with facts, says you can see him kind of for once fumble and stumble a little bit and he's like well i'm not a rabbi you know so i just you know the rabbis they're trusted to know and and so they just know and they've studied and i just trust what they tell me and and that so he didn't have an answer and this is ben shapiro and you know, this is a guy that goes on facts and when it came to to this he was like oh i, I just trust someone instead of well no you're good at what you do because of not that. So as, as we're going through this and we're thinking about, um, you know, religion and, and all this stuff, it's, it's like, that's the difference as Christians. We have this foundation that we can go to. So, um, and so, we see that as we, as we go through the Bible, we see this same kind of a thing where um, the Bible constantly teaches us that very religious people 
are headed to hell. And that's a rough thing to say, but look at Jesus' all the red writing in your Bible. And Jesus is constantly rebuking the Pharisees. And what are they? They're super religious. They're these three times a day, day in and day out. And Jesus is constantly rebuking them. And so the funny part of that is, is that religious people, and I'm doing this, right? Religious people, like, they're just convinced that they're okay. Not knowing the word of God, that they're just, they're okay just not having that fact and foundation that that doesn't wiggle or shake. And I was saying about this, Dustin, like, you've talked a lot about religion, you know, the, you know, religion. Like, so what, like, just in, in a nutshell, what is religion? There's no wrong or right answer. Like, I've just heard you say it a hundred times. Like, oh, I just hate it when someone says, oh, you're religious. You know, it's like, what, what would be the, if you had to define it to us, religion? It's following the orderly concept of something that people hold fast to that's not necessarily to the one true God. Like, it's just something that anybody has and everybody has. And it's something they're just doing, right? Yeah, yeah exactly. No, you're right. I'm not putting you on the spot. Like, I, you you've just told this to me. Not really, I just you did. I did. I did <laughs> want to actually not. too, but Let my face be numb for a second. <laughs> Someone get him a glass of water. I just I never thought about religion. Like I was like, yeah, I'm religious, and then I just have heard Dustin has spoke that into me a lot of like, no, it's just this. Like, you do these things. You're doing this. You're doing this. That's that's what religion is, right? So it seems like when you're religious, you know, you can do something. You're doing, these guys are doing these things to earn our way to God. So the funny thing is, if, you th- if, if we really think about it, religious people, they don't even really, they don't need a savior. They're their own savior, right? They're going to, they're going to, do whatever, and back in the day, they're going to sacrifice things, and they're going to give money and to to earn their salvation. So they don't need Jesus. They don't need a savior. So it, does, it shouldn't shock us that people don't need Jesus because they're going to do it themselves. And we could go on. I could go on and on and on about these various cults. And we use cults as a pretty mean slang, but the reality, cult is just something. I'm paraphrasing, but it's just literally something that is not of God. You know what I mean? It's something outside of, of God. And so um, there's, we know tons of cults that just live on this, and it's just it's super sad because it, it's, there's no relationship with Jesus. When, like, it's, it's this free gift. You don't pay for something that's free and someone gives you. You don't, you don't earn that. Like, it's, just, it's a gift. That's why it's called a gift. Um, this is a good quote on religion from Spurgeon. And I don't know about you guys, but like Spurgeon's talking. I think it's probably a good idea to be listening. Um, Alan, come up here and read this. It'd be way more flowing if you do it than I do. Too late. Someone else, come up. <laughs> Just read all the green. From it right here? Yep. This is Spurgeon. Okay, now we will grant you this morning that much of the religion which is abroad in the world is a vain thing. The religion of ceremonies is vain. If a man shall trust in the gorgeous pomp of uncommanded mysteries, 
if he shall consider that there resides some mystic efficacy in a priest, and that by uttering certain words a blessing is infallibly received, we tell him that his religion is a vain thing. You might as well go to the witch of Endor for grace as to a priest. And if you rely upon words, the abracadabra of a magician will certainly raise you to heaven, or rather sink you to hell, as the performances of the best ordained minister under heaven. Ceremonies in themselves are vain, futile, empty. There, there are but two of God's ordaining. They are most simple, and neither of them pretend to have any efficacy in themselves. They only set forth an inward and spiritual grace, not necessarily tied to them, but only given to those who by faith perceive their teachings. All ceremonial religion, no matter how sincere, if it consists in relying upon forms and ob observances, is a vain thing. So with creed religion, by which I mean not to speak against creeds, for I love the form of sound words, but that religion which lies in believing with the intellect a set of dogmas without, a, without partaking of the life of God, all this is a vain thing. Again, that religion which only lies in making a profession of what one does not possess in wearing the Christian name and observing the ritual of the church, but which does not so affect the character as to make a man holy, nor such, nor <clears throat> so touch the heart as to make a man God's true servant, such religion is vain throughout. O oh, my dear hearers, how much worthless religion may you see everywhere. So long as men get the name, they seem content without the substance. Everywhere, it matters not to what church you turn your eye, you see a vast host of hypocrites, numerous as flies about a dead carcass. On all sides there are deceivers and deceived who write heaven upon their brows, but have hell in their hearts, who hang out the sign of an angel over their doors, but have the devil for a host within. Take heed to yourselves, be not deceived, for he who tries the heart and searches the reins of the children of men is, is not mocked, and he will surely discern between him that feareth God and him that feareth him not. That's heavy, isn't that? That's, I mean, we understand religion now, don't we? Or being religious, rather. So, let's keep that, let's keep that right there in our, in our minds as we move on. Um, but moving on, another thing to think about as, as we're reading this part is that, you know, so we know the apostles were Jews, Right? And then these are all Jews that they're around that are super religious that we just were reading about. But the apostles, <clears throat> they continued practicing these Jewish ways. It says, I guess I don't have to scroll that up. It says in verse 1, you know, um, that Peter and John went up, to, went up together to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. So they, they continued practicing even though they now believed in Christ, right? The difference was, was that, which we talked about this weekend, is that um, Judeo-Christian, the, the apostles are now. Wasn't that, what we, wasn't that what we decided or talked about, Sarah? The difference of the Judeo-Christian? Messianic Jews. I'm sorry, that was it. Messianic Jews. Uh, yeah, I'm glad you said that. That was way off. Marcus was tracking till I did that, and then he was like checking out. <laughs> I was like, Joe, you're wrong. 
idiot. <laughs> uh, but anyways, they, so that was the difference, right? They understood that they, were, they had met the Messiah. They knew him. And, and the, the other Jews, the other family members and, and all these other guys, there was a difference. They'd been with the Messiah. So the awesome part is, you guys, let's, let's take away from this, is God kept them there using them with their own kind of people. If you want to say kind of people, quote unquote. God wants us and is going to use us with our own kind of people. Even though we are now different, because remember the repenting thing where we turn and go away from what the world says and what, the way we were living? But we're still left in the world, aren't we? We're still here. He continued to use them. They had value. They had, because of they were Jews along with, right? Like it gave them credibility. I, I believe that that's for us today in this community at Brandings and stuff like we prayed about it at Home Group and, and helping neighbors and being around neighbors out here and, the, and that kind of outreach is like, we, we have the power of the Holy Spirit that, that Peter is speaking with and John is speaking with. Just like, just like they did, because the Holy Spirit's alive and living in us today, if, if Christ is our Savior. Verse 2. And a certain man, lame from his mother's womb, was carried, <clears throat> whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask alms from those who entered the temple. Now this guy, I love. He's a genius. He's a business genius. If I'm a beggar, I'm not going to be begging at Walmart or on, on a corner in the, just some random road. I'm going to go park myself somewhere at a religious place where people are coming with money and coming to give money. This guy's, this guy's got it figured out like this is genius. It really is. He's living in, a, in this religious society knowing that these people are going in here to give money for salvation to the poor, you know, all the, to the church, all these things, to the widows. It's, it's a great place to be. And so it goes on to say, who seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple asked for alms and fixed his eyes on him. With John, Peter said, look at us. So he gave them his attention, expecting to receive something from them. Then Peter said, silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. Right here we see God's sovereignty and his timing. Now think about this, you guys. We've just been going through, we went through Mark and the whole thing of Jesus, where he was at and where he was teaching. And then we read right here where this guy, and we have no reason to think that he's a child. This is a man, so he's an older man, we can assume. And he's been crippled from birth, and they bring him here daily. Jesus has been here teaching. Jesus has walked by this guy, we can assume that, pretty easily. Jesus never healed this guy. Walked by him, we can assume, over and over again. So when we're talking about God's sovereignty and, and timing that we see here. We just, we see something that it didn't happen when Jesus was there. But now that Peter is, it's for 
it's for a, a very particular reason and a, and a particular timing. Now, this awesome businessman, this this beggar, and um, I, I'm sure I would be this way if if I was a beggar. But you know, you can imagine he's there day in and day out. Like he's trained, he knows, he's watching these people, and someone. When you, you know, like you're driving by someone that's asking for money and you just, you don't look at them. Mm-hmm. You're like, you awkwardly, like if I look, then it feels weird if I don't. I don't want to give them money. And, and so like they know that, you know, so when they see someone walking by, they won't make eye contact, I'm sure. He's not wasting his time talking to him. But he, when he finds someone that looks at him with some pity or something, you know, then he's like, oh yeah. You know, like he's just scanning and looking and, and he's going to find that. And so, so the part right here that, he looks at Peter and John and he's like thinking to himself, right? He's like, oh, these guys have a look like they want to give me something. And he, he was right because that's exactly the business they were in, weren't they? So back to, um, back to God's plan and Jesus not healing this guy earlier when Jesus was going back and forth. And then remember back farther where, um, you know, Peter just failed miserably when Jesus was being crucified. And, you know, those things had to happen, And you know, for a few reasons. But, you know, this is one of those reasons that Peter had to fail then, you know, so that now, and one of the reasons that Jesus didn't heal this guy when Jesus was going by, like left this one here, like, because Peter's going to, I'm going to have Peter come and do some stuff here. And, um, it was so Peter and John could come and show the power of God through the Holy Spirit, through the people. Jesus pulled himself away, left his spirit. And so you, like we can kind of see this stuff unfold. You know, it's like the 10 movies that are going on and all of a sudden they come together and it, and it makes sense. We can see that in this. And, um, and so it just shows, it shows the power of God moving through him. And, and the other, the other amazing thing here is that the, the faith that we see here, you guys, is, I would say, is more faith that Peter has. Not the faith of this crippled guy. It's, it's Peter's faith. And, and like we said, his faith crumbled before. But now, he has the Spirit, he's on. And it's his faith that he trusted the Lord, that lived in him, that, you know, he could do the Lord would do miracles through him. He just he trusted that. So imagine telling a you know a crippled person to stand up and quit being crippled. I mean, and add to that, put a bunch of people around there. I'd be thinking, what if he doesn't stand up? I'm gonna look like a real idiot. But we're talking about faith or, or they weren't worried about that. I mean, that might have been in their mind a little bit, but they still had the power and the boldness to go ahead and go through it and go, go with it. And like to add to that, I mean, he's just kind of getting momentum and traction with the Jewish people. It's a good opportunity to screw that up by not getting heal on this guy when he says stand up and walk. This is some serious faith that we don't want to read past. That it should be encouraging to us to desire and want and to trust man trust that when god's prompting you to say something or do something like it's for a reason and we 
Like, it's a blessing when we get to see fruit from that. But when we, we don't, we need to just trust that it's okay. Because the ripple effect of the Holy Spirit and God never stops. It goes on. I mean, you guys, like, it gives me goosebumps. Like, we don't even realize how far and how long when we just say the name Jesus in front of people. Do you hear that weirdo say that? You know, he says to his cousin or his brother and the guy down at the bar and this, and pretty soon it gets around like, or it saves somebody's about ready to do something stupid. You know, we don't know, but it, that constantly happens. It never, ever stops. I went on a rant. That was not in any of my notes. That's okay, though. It's the faith I'm talking about. You know, I just got to trust it. Um, you guys take a break? Stretch. Okay. Okay, I'm just going to move on. Um, and the response is amazing. <laughs> this is Joe's kind of response, kind of. <laughs> the, you know, the beggar's like, hey, can I have some money? And Peter's like, nope. <laughs> uh-uh. Nope, you can't. And the beggar's like, well, then get away from me because I got like the next person I'm going to get money from. <laughs> um, but Peter doesn't leave it at that. You know, he uh, he just tells him to get up. And then it goes farther that we're, we'll read here that Peter doesn't just tell him to get up. Peter grabs him and helps him up. And we're, don't forget, we're still talking about the church, what the church looks like. You can kind of keep that in line with this, of lifting each other up. And we don't just bark the orders and tell people. We, we try to live it. We set these examples, and, and then we help lift people up. Verse 7, it goes on to say, And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up. And immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. So he, leaping up, stood and walked and entered the temple with them, walking, leaping, and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God. Then they knew that it was he who sat begging alms at the beautiful gate of the temple, and they were filled with the wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. This is that power we were talking about. The power to heal the, to have the faith in that, that it's going to happen when the Lord prompts you to go do whatever he tells you to do. And you guys, where's that Where's that power today? Do we see that power in the church today? The Bible tells us God's power is the same as it was when he started creation, as it was yesterday, as it is today, and as it'll be when Alan turns 37. So there's, there's a story that as I was studying, I listened to these three different pastors that I, I really lean on when I'm studying. And all three of them um, talked about this story. So I, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to continue it. And um, uh, so it's about this, this very respected philosopher in the 13th century. His name was uh, Thomas Aquintus. And so he goes to Rome to pay his respects to um, the Pope, and so he's walking around, and he's got all this credibility and everything. So like he's a, a 
awesome guests. The Pope's like really showing him the ins and outs of the Vatican or whatever it is. And, and they go to the treasury and, uh, and the Pope opens up the, the door to the treasury and side note, by the way, I, every one of these pastors said like, they've all heard the story and they don't know that it's true or not, but it's, it's out there. So do you want with that? But, um, so the Pope opens the treasury and he, um, he says to Thomas, he says, you see, brother Thomas, the church can no longer say silver and gold. I have none as, as they're looking at all the riches that, that, that they have there. And Thomas replied, no, and neither can it say in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. Again and again, you guys, we, we, we need to focus more on God than the things of the world. You know, we're... Because of the things of the world and what I just, before this touch on, where's the power of this stuff in the church today? Um, and I'm not just talking about healings. I'm just saying the Holy Spirit and being moved and obeying is like, where's it at? Well, man, what's, what's keeping us from that? Is it the things of the world? Is it, I live this way because my, I was raised this way and my family was raised that way like we talked about at the beginning of this. You fill in the blank. And I know we've talked about it a thousand times, but guess what the Bible talks about a thousand times? So that's just, that's an awesome thing to wrestle. Because all it's going to do is we wrestle those things is grow us closer to the Lord. When we're saying, Lord, like, cleanse me of whatever, maybe I don't even realize what it is. That's a good one to pray. I would encourage that. Like, Lord, I don't even, honestly, I don't even know what I'm doing wrong. Or what I'm idolizing, or what I'm, was taking my focus off of you. I, maybe I can't put my finger on it, but if there is, Lord, just reveal it to me and break me of it. It's a good prayer. It's a pretty safe prayer. And I think the Lord, I know the Lord's going to meet us there. Verse 11, we'll finish up here, 11 to 12. Now as the lame man who was healed held on to Peter and John, all the people ran together to them in the porch, which is called Solomon's, greatly amazed. So when Peter saw it, he responded to the people, Men of Israel, why do you marvel at this? Or why look so intently at us? As though by our own power or godliness, we have made this man walk. Right? Peter's change. We've seen, remember back before Peter even messed up with Jesus, he Jesus told him, Hey, you're gonna you're gonna deny me. And he's like, No, 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 I won't. These guys will, but I won't. Right? He did that. Now he's not doing that. He no longer thinks highly of himself or is patting himself on the back of how good of Jody did. And you see, I'm trying to just roll this in of like we we've what have we talked about today? We've talked about Earning our salvation, which is wrong, you know, thinking we, and then um, the power of the Holy Spirit changing us, repentance changing, and this, this has happened to Peter. And again, with this, this is not just stories. Oh yeah, I remember that story. We healed the the beggar at the gate. Like, like this, this needs to speak to us and talk to us. It's not just a story. This is a living word. 
And how, like, when we read that, Peter says it. Uh, Where's that? Or why look so intently at us as though by our own power or godliness, godliness, religious. You, like, you think it's just because we're super religious we were able to do this. And he's saying no. He's like, he's diverting. He's like, that's not, it's not me. You guys need to be focused on God. Religion didn't do this. Didn't heal this guy. And there's a bunch more into this because this is Peter's second sermon, but you guys are going to have to wait. We're done. Come up here and sing. <laughs>